privilege of hearing uh, God's Word delivered by Dustin Clegg. I first met Dustin even before I even had spoken here. I met with one of your committees and we were, uh, I was counseling with them, giving them some advice about a question they had and we met and that's when I first met Dustin and then I came to serve here as an interim pastor at first and uh, was just watching as uh, Dustin was leading a young adult Sunday school class. He was serving as chairman of the deacons at that time and and I thought how unusual that a man, young man, in a larger congregation would serve in that capacity. And the more I got to know Dustin and Beth, his wife, and their family, the more I became convinced that God was at work in Dustin's life. Now, he's at work in all of our lives, but what I'm referring to is the fact that I just sensed that he might be called to vocational ministry, to full-time Christian ministry. And, and, um, and you know, as Baptists, we do that differently than a lot of other groups. Uh, we don't make people go to school. We don't make people go through a long process uh, to figure that out. What we determine as a congregation is whether or not someone is called. And once a man is called, uh, we don't look back and neither do they. And so uh, I mentioned it to my wife uh, as we were praying about uh, accepting a call here as pastor. I mentioned to her one day and I told Gail, I said, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if God wasn't calling some of these guys in the ministry, particularly Dustin Clegg. And about a month later, Dustin came up to me after church one, one day and said, Brother Don, sometime I'd like to talk to you. I, I think God may be calling me in the ministry. And I said, well, tell me something I don't already know. <laughs> and I think, I think many of you saw that as well. Uh, gifted with a wisdom beyond his years and ability to speak in such a way that people listen and learn, uh, God has gifted him. Uh, and I, I mention that not as much to exalt Dustin as I am the God that calls people in the ministry. Because Dustin didn't come into this responsibility or this role with years and years of education or training, um, those kinds of things. He just came with nothing more than the call of God on his life. And it reminded me of a prophet in the Old Testament named Amos. And I just want to read these verses, and then I'm going to be quiet, and Dustin, you can come and share God's word with us. But Amos, a prophet in the Old Testament, uh, once said, I was no prophet, nor was I a son of a prophet, but I was a sheep breeder and a tender of sycamore fruit. That's called agribusiness. Then the Lord took me as I followed the flock, and the Lord said to me, Go prophesy to my people Israel. Dustin? Come prophesy to his people. Please welcome Dustin. Well, I'm excited to get to share with you tonight. Um, God laid a passage of scripture on my heart a long time ago um, when Brother Don first told us that, that this might be a possibility for us. And uh, I didn't know the Lord's Supper would be tonight, but... I'm glad it is because it kind of goes along with um, the passage of Scripture we're going to be in. Before we get started, uh, I want to tell the church thank you. Last, um, not this past weekend, 
couple weekends ago, we took 72 students to student camp. And a lot of those kids wouldn't have gotten to go if it weren't for some of you. Um, thank you for buying spaghetti tickets to help raise funds to offset the cost. Thank you for sponsoring some. God moved among us. And that is an eternal investment. And I don't think there's any other, any better investment than to invest in the spiritual lives of our young people. That's eternal. Everything else is going to fade. Tonight, we're going to be in the book of Philemon. Philemon is a, a little different book, especially if you know the author. The author is the Apostle Paul. But I think Philemon has everything to do with the Lord's Supper. It also has everything to do with the book of Colossians, which Brother Don has been preaching out of on Sunday mornings. These books were written almost simultaneously. Paul was in the same prison when he wrote both books. Um, in Colossians chapter 4, verse 9, there's a man mentioned by the name of Onesimus. And Onesimus is the main character of the book of Philemon besides Jesus. But he's the main character. He's the main one that they're talking about in the book of Philemon. And he's mentioned in the book of Colossians. He's a slave. But in the book of Colossians, Paul refers to him as a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you when he's writing to the church of Colossae. So remember that as we read that, as we read this book together. Tonight, we're going to read the entire letter. I think when Brother Don put me tonight, he said, well, Dustin's preaching tonight and going by his last sermon, we've got time to do four baptisms, the Lord's Supper, <laughs> and a commissioning. So uh, we're going to do the whole letter. And it'll still probably be short. So, <laughs> anyways, we're going to read this letter together. Philemon. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. To Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Apphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of the love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, though, I'm bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I'm sending him back to you, sending my heart, my very heart. 
I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I, prefer, I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this, perhaps, is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I'm hoping that through your prayers, I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with your spirit. Let me pray for us before we get started. God, tonight I need you. I pray that tonight you would continue to cover my foolishness and that you would speak to your people. I pray you would reveal yourself, your glory, your power, your might, your majesty, and that we would be changed forever. Certainly not because of the speaker, but because you're our king. Holy Spirit, move in us, change hearts, change characters, change lives for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I, when I read this passage, there's kind of this big elephant in the room to me. And I hear everything that's going on, and it's all good, and I like it. But there's something that gives me issue with it. And it's kind of hidden, and that is, why doesn't Paul take the opportunity to say, look, Philemon, slavery's wrong bro you're a Christian you can't own slaves I mean is this not the perfect opportunity to say Philemon think about this Onesimus is a human being you can't own slaves not as a believer so before we get into the passage I, I have to address this for myself I, I don't know if any of you were thinking of that but I mean, this is just me being transparent with you. It's an elephant in the room to me. It's awkward to me. Nail slavery in the head. We all know that's wrong. Address it. When I, when I think about that, I think about my mom. If you know her, you know she's the gluten Nazi. <laughs> now, it's funny to everybody else, but it, it's... It's a real issue for us and her family. These people right here ain't smiling because they know. They know I'm right. When we have family gatherings, she is the gluten police. That's got gluten. What are you going to do for your carb? That's, you, you carb loading. I mean, she is checking on what we're eating. 
And it, it, is, it gets on my nerves. I'm glad she's not here, but sometimes a brother just wants a chicken wing, you know, man. <laughs> Come on now. But um, she started making a lot of sense to me. I, I've got, like, acid reflux and stuff like that, and, of course, it's gluten, you know. And she started making a lot of sense to me, and she finally got me talked into going to her doctor that caused her to be the gluten Nazi. <laughs> so I went to her doctor, and I walk in, and they check everything on you, and, I mean, draw blood, and, I walk in the, the office, and the first time I lay eyes on this lady, she's about this tall, and she's about as big around as this, because she's been eating string beans and cabbage for the past 50 years, you know. So uh, I walk in, she's got all my records, and she's, got, she's already got Beth in there, and Beth's kind of got the deer in the headlights look. She's been talking to her. And she sits me in the other chair, and I feel like I'm being judged. I mean, I walk in, and... I know I've got an eating problem, but anyway, she sets me across the desk from her, and I feel like I'm in the principal's office, and she leans on her desk, and she grabs her glasses, and if y'all have been to her, you know she does this. She grabs her glasses, and she says, tell me what you eat for breakfast, and I'm like, well, I mean, I was part-time farming at the time, or full-time farming, part-time student ministry, and really I was eating Exxon sausage and biscuits, but <laughs> I saw that heart-healthy label on the Honey Nut Cheerios box, so I said, I eat that sometimes, I'm going to go with that. <laughs> so uh, I'm like, I don't know. Um, Honey Nut Cheerios, and she's like, oh, you're going to die. Tell me you don't put real milk on it. And I'm like, well, yeah, I'll put real milk. Oh, you're going to die. I mean, she's just, it's worth the copay for the drama effect. I mean, it really is. Well, then she, she moves from right here to right here with her glasses and puts them on top of her head. And she says, what about a mid-morning snack? And I'm like, Snickers and a Dr. Pepper. Oh! I mean, she, she goes, hey, well, oh. Oh, you, you've got a lion chasing you. You've got a lion chase. She tells me I've got a lion chasing me. And she's like, can you feel him on your back? And I was like, well, I'm more feeling stuff right in here. But uh, I can't feel him on my back. And so she's in this uproar. And I mean, I'm like, good grief. And uh, so she says, tell me about lunch. She puts her glasses back right here. And I'm like, fresh picked salad. Grilled chicken, not been marinated. I mean, nothing hardly. And uh, man, she tells me that my there's a lion chasing me, and all my dominoes are falling. And I, I still don't know what that means, but I mean, me and Beth walk out, and we're half depressed. We're like, we're, we're fixing to die here in a couple weeks. I mean, <laughs> she's got us dead here in a little bit. Um, but what I appreciate about her. I do think she's nuts, but what I appreciate about her is that when you go to her with a problem, she addresses the issue, the main issue of the problem. My mom had MS, still has MS. I remember a time when my mom was walking on a cane and taking every medicine under the sun for her MS. She had to quit her job because of her MS. 
And it's taken a while, but now my mom takes zero medicine because this doctor chose to treat her main issue, which was what she was taking into her body. My dad is a diabetic, was on all kinds of medicine. I, I still believe he cheats a little bit. <laughs> but my dad was a diabetic, still is a diabetic. But he's got all of his diabetes under control with just very little medicine because she treated an issue. She didn't treat the diabetes or the MS. She treated an upstream issue because she believes those are downstream problems. I think that's what's going on with Philemon. I think we can get sometimes passionate about social issues, slavery, maybe even abortion, adoption, things like that. And we can fix our passions on those single issues. But the world's problems are all based in what will you do with Jesus. The world's problems, what will you do with Jesus of Nazareth? Of, the, of Nazareth? That's the main problem. Every other problem in our world is da downstream of that problem. And I believe if Satan can get us fixed on those particular issues and get us passionate about those particular issues and cause us to walk away from the main issue, he knows that if we're always focused on slavery, slavery will always be here. And if we're always focused on things like adoption, which I'm passionate about, there will always be orphans among us. But if we bring Jesus to people, if we take Jesus to the world, there's power there to change it and to correct all our issues. I had to address the elephant in the room. Philemon is a different book. It starts differently. Paul says, in the, just in the greeting, verse 1, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus. Paul wrote a lot in the New Testament. He wrote a lot, several different books to several di different churches. This is the only time he calls himself a prisoner. In Romans, he calls himself an apostle. In Corinthians, he calls himself an apostle. Galatians, Ephesians, apostle, apostle. In Colossians, which he was writing in the same prison, he calls himself an apostle. When he calls himself an apostle, he's claiming authority to these churches. I'm an apostle. This is, this is the word of God. Listen to me. This time he calls himself a prisoner. There's still authority in his words. Don't get me wrong there. There's still authority. But he's coming from a di little different place. He's coming from a place of humility. He's writing to a friend. And he's wanting his friend to get it for himself. So he says, Paul, a prisoner. Look down in, in verse 11. He's talking about his friend Onesimus. And the book of Philemon is about Christian love. 
He's writing to Philemon. He loves Philemon. He calls Philemon beloved, his, his beloved fellow worker right off the bat. But he also loves this guy Onesimus. Paul says in verse 10, and don't look in verse 11 yet, verse 10, it says, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. I think right there what he's talking about, obviously Onesimus is not his biological son. I think maybe Paul led him to Jesus, and now Paul is his mentor, his father in the Lord. And he's got a stout love for this Onesimus. Now look at verse 11. He says, Formerly Onesimus was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and me. I don't know what Onesimus had done to Philemon, but obviously the, the Apostle Paul believes it was something really big. When I read it, I get the feeling that maybe Onesimus stole something from Paul. He was Philemon's slave, and, and he left Philemon, and I wonder if he might have stole something from him. The Bible doesn't say that, but I get the, that feel when I read the Scripture. Because Paul says there, there's, there's something that Onesimus has done that needs forgiving. And Paul thinks it's a big deal. He could see why Philemon would be upset. So you're get, put yourself in Philemon's position and you get this letter. And Paul says these things to you. Say he has stolen from you. Paul says... He was useless to you, but now he's useful to you and to me. Now, if you're Philemon, you may hear those words and you're like, yeah, he didn't do that to you, Paul. That's easy for you to say because he didn't do that to you. But put yourself in Onesimus' shoes. I don't know if Onesimus read this letter or not. I, it says in the greeting to read it to the church, so I'm sure he heard the letter. But Onesimus was a slave. None of us knows what that's like. But he was property. That's all he was, was property. He could be bought, he could be sold, he could be traded for anything. He was property. I read an a, a article about a lady who owned a slave during this time in the Roman Empire. It, it was a story. And it said that the woman had her, sa her slave crucified for entertainment value. Think about that. Only what you can offer your owner, that's your only worth. And the Apostle Paul writes to Philemon, a respected brother, and the church... And says, this man is useful to you and to me. Can you imagine what a slave would have felt to hear the Apostle Paul say, I am useful? I bet he never heard it before in his life. And coming from the Apostle Paul who carried incredible influence in this place. He's useful. He's useful for the kingdom of God. Our words as a body can destroy people. It can tear them up. It can defeat them. 
or it can set their hearts ablaze for the kingdom of God. If I'm a slave and been a slave my whole life, and I hear the Apostle Paul say I'm useful, I'm fired up, Jack. There's power in our words. Paul uses his words to set this slave afire for the kingdom of God. Now look at verse 17. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. Now, I don't know about y'all, but it, it's hard for me to completely identify with people sometimes. Even my favorite preachers, like Brother Don. <laughs> um, it's hard for me to completely identify with, with pretty much anybody. When I talk about one of my favorite preachers, like Francis Chan, I'll say, I, I really like him. He, he's one of my favorites, but there was this one time he did this, and I, I don't know if I know, I don't know if I really like that but Paul in that verse says receive him as you would receive me meaning when Onesimus walks in your door you embrace him and treat him the same way you would treat me that's risky One uh, Paul had a reputation Paul was a preacher of the good news of the gospel and he takes this slave and he says, when he walks in the door, you treat him just like you would treat me. What if Onesimus would have gone and messed up? What if he had gone back to his old ways? Paul's name would have been attached to that. It's risky. But Paul said, you treat him the same way you would treat me. As a body of believers, we have got to the, come to the point where we're family because God's made us family. And, and we've got to, to quit saying, Jacob is my brother in Christ and use Christ as a parenthesis. Christ isn't a parenthesis. Jacob is my true brother because of Christ. He is my brother. I will identify with him because he's my brother. It's risky, but that's what Paul does in these verses. Lastly, look at verse 18. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. That's what makes me think he might have stole something. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you and the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Can you hear it when you read those words? Does it sound like another story in the Bible? It sounds like Jesus to me. It sounds a lot like Jesus. He was useless, but now he's useful. 
That sounds like Jesus. When you see him, receive him as you would receive me. That sounds like Jesus. If he owes you anything, charge it to my account. That sounds like Jesus. Talking to the Father for Dustin's account. Dustin once was useless, Father, but now he's useful to you and to me. Father, if Dustin owes you anything, charge that to my account on the cross. Father, when you see Dustin, see me. Paul, a man who killed Christians. A man who purposefully ravaged the church. Now, defending slaves. There is power to change hearts at the cross of Christ. There is power in the blood of Jesus. This has everything to do with this table tonight. Maybe you're Philemon. Maybe somebody in this church has hurt you. And you have a reason to be mad. Paul believed Philemon had a reason to be mad. But F Paul still called Philemon to apply the gospel to his relationship. Tonight, maybe you're Philemon. Apply the gospel in your relationships. Students, you're not exempt. There's a lot of drama that goes on between the 7th and 12th grade. But you're not exempt. This is for all believers. Apply the gospel to every relationship. Maybe you're Onesimus. A slave. On Sundays you look fine. On Sundays you look good. Maybe on Sundays you're staying at the house. You're a slave, and something has you. Maybe it's pornography, maybe it's drugs, maybe it's alcohol, maybe it's pride. It could be an assortment of different things, but you're a slave to it, and it's eating you up. There is freedom in what this table represents. The body and the blood of Jesus. It can change your heart, it can change your character, it can change your mind, it can change your way of living. It will change you. And not just today and not just tomorrow. It won't be a warm, funny, warm fuzzy, but it will change you for eternity. Put your trust in Jesus and be free. It's funny, Onesimus' name means useful. He was useless, but because of Jesus, he's now useful.